Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Bum, bum, bum. Goal achievers, members of the Miracle Morning community, friends, family, fellow human beings. Hey, it's Hal Elrod. Welcome to the podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you for being here. Today, we're going to talk about, I'm going to break down my daily and my weekly schedule. I receive, I don't know the exact number, probably 200 to 300 emails a week from readers and and listeners of the podcast and uh, get a lot of questions. And one of the types of questions that I get a lot is around my schedule. So it's usually often around the miracle morning. What's the miracle morning? What, you know, do you have to do it at this time? Do you have to do it in this order? How do you, what's your current miracle morning? Has it changed? Has it evolved? So often they're around the miracle morning structure, but often they're questions just about how do I structure my day? How do I structure my day in general or so that the miracle morning can be, you know, be possible? Well, today I figured I'd walk you through my entire day from when I wake up until when I go to bed, as well as how I structure my week. So I'll go through my entire miracle morning, break down each of the savers, I'll include what I eat, when I eat, how I structure my workday, my family time, you name it, I'll go into everything today. And uh, I've been prepping for this. At first, I thought this will be like a five-minute podcast. I'm just going to go through my schedule. And then as I started going in deeper, I go, well, no, no, I'll break down my savers and what I'm doing for those. I'll I'll break down the smoothie I'm making right now and why and what's in it. And so I'm going to give you guys as much as I possibly can today. I will warn you, my schedule... It's pretty boring in how consistent it is, right? It's it's extremely consistent. I think some people would call that OCD, right? Obsessive compulsive disorder, but I call it consistent, you know, or disciplined, or whatever words make me feel good about myself. So, so here we go. Without further ado, first and foremost, my morning ritual, which I'll start with that. And I want to let you know, this is the same seven days a week. So the morning ritual I'm about to share with you, it is the same seven days a week. And it only differs if I happen to stay up late to visit with friends. The other night I had friends over playing board games till 11 p.m. So normally I go to bed by about nine or 10. So that threw my morning schedule off a little bit. But it's only the only time it's different, which and it's probably averages one night a week where I stay up later. So it's usually taking the wife out, my wife out on a date hanging out with my kids for a movie, you know, something like that. But otherwise, this is my ritual. I call it my foundational schedule, and it's consistent seven days a week, except for if there's other relationships that throw it off that I value the relationship, so I value the time that they want to stay up late with me. It would never be my choice if I had hanging out with my friends. They'd be coming over to my house at like 5 a.m. to hang out. But unfortunately, not everybody's on the same schedule that I am. So here we go. So the first thing is waking up with no alarm clock. And this is big. When I had cancer, one of the, you know, I looked at everything in my life. I kind of deconstructed everything in my life inquired on everything in my life and went, what may have caused the cancer? And there was workout supplements that I had taken in the past. There was prescription drugs I had taken in the past. And just, you know, just, I looked at what's anything that's not natural. And one of the things is, you know, I was sleeping an average of 
five to six hours a night for years. And as you'll see in the Miracle Morning documentary that's coming out later this year, the sleep doctor, as he's known, Dr. Michael Bruce, there's a powerful line in there where he says, we now know that the more sleep deprived you are, the faster cancer cells multiply. And boy, do I wish he would have, I would have seen that before the cancer. I think that was after I, before I saw that scene, but uh, yeah. So for me, sleep now is, is crucial. And so I stopped setting an alarm and I now try to get seven to eight hours of sleep, but I do it. You know, I let my body wake up naturally, which is a big difference where forcing myself awake, which most of us do with an alarm clock. Now you might think, well, I have to use an alarm clock because I have to get up at a certain time. I'd encourage you to try a few different things. Um, first on the weekends, you can use the weekends as an experiment where set your intention before bed, tell yourself body, we're waking up tomorrow at you know, blank AM, whatever that is for you, 6 AM, 5 AM, 7 AM, whatever it is on the weekend for you and test yourself. And here's what's amazing. And I did this. I had a friend tell me when I was 20 years old, my mentor taught me how he didn't use an alarm clock and he just programmed himself before bed what time he wanted to wake up. And I was like, that's crazy. How does that work? But when I was 20 years old, I did, I started doing that. And I don't remember how long I did that for maybe until my car accident, but I did that. And consistently it worked almost every day. I'd wake up virtually within a few minutes of when I told myself I was going to wake up. And then for whatever reason, I got away from it for like 20 years. <laughs> and then I finally just got back to it. I don't know, probably six months or so ago. So waking up without an alarm clock is how I start the day. And by the way, I tell myself I want to wake up by 5 a.m. And almost every single morning, I wake up at 5.04, 4.55. It's usually within like five minutes on either side. And I've been doing that now for, again, going on a year. And it works like clockwork every single morning. So waking up with no alarm clock first and foremost. And it's usually around 5 a.m brush my teeth and I drink a full glass of water. So rehydrating, obviously in the miracle morning, I talk about how important it is because if you sleep six, seven, eight hours a night, unless you're waking up taking drinks of water, which is not ideal because it's interrupting your REM sleep and your deep sleep if you are allowing yourself to wake up and drink water. And I used to that when I was younger, but now I've trained myself, no water. I stopped drinking water about two hours before bed so I don't get woken up out of REM or out of my deep sleep to have to go pee. So I stopped drinking water. I've kind of timed when I have to stop drinking water so that I don't wake up. And so I almost never wake up to go pee unless, you know, occasionally but rarely ever. And when I wake up in the morning, you're essentially dehydrated because you haven't had water in six, seven, eight, you know, hours or if not more. So that's the first thing I do is drink a bunch of water. Then I go into my kitchen and the next thing I do is what I call a sodium bicarbonate lemon shot. Sodium bicarbonate lemon shot. Sodium bicarbonate, by the way, I believe is just the technical term for baking soda. I use a baking soda or a sodium bicarbonate, aka baking soda, that is the brand is pure organic ingredients. I get it on Amazon. So it's, you know, it's obviously food grade. Maybe all baking sodas are food grade. I don't know, but this is one of the highest quality from what I can tell. And then what I do is I take half a teaspoon of sodium bicarbonate, and I'll tell you why I do this in a second. First thing. And then fresh squeezed lemon water. And I just use, I put the sodium bicarbonate in a little like almost like a shot glass. It's a little bit bigger and mini Mason jar. And then I pour in the lemon juice and I drink it really quickly because it starts to fizz like crazy. So I try to drink as much as I can and drink most of it. So it doesn't over fizz. And then I pour in the rest of the lemon juice, shake it up and I drink the rest. The reason for that is this, if you've studied at all alkalinity and the body's alkalinity, when I got cancer and I was searching for natural cures, 
one of the natural cures, if you will, is getting your body into a state of alkalinity. And the science has shown, or the theory is, I guess you could say, that when a body is acidic, it is susceptible to disease and things like cancer. When it's in an alkaline state, then cancer cannot thrive in an alkaline environment, right? And they've done that where in a lab, they'll create an alkaline environment. And lemon juice, by the way, is one of the most alkalizing things you can put in your body, as is the sodium bicarbonate. So the idea is to immediately put your body in a state of alkalinity. Now, if you wonder, well, how do you know if that's even working? You can, for like six bucks or eight bucks on Amazon, you can get alkaline testing strips, alkalinity testing strips, and you can pee on it first thing in the morning, check your alkalinity, and you immediately do that sodium bicarbonate shot. 30 minutes later, test your alkalinity again, and you will see that your body has moved into a much more alkaline environment. So I start my day and I end my day with a sodium bicarbonate shot. The next thing that I do is I make green tea. And I actually started using an instant green tea, which you might go, whoa, 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 how? That doesn't sound very healthy, an instant green tea. From what I can tell from this company and the way that they make their tea is they actually take real organic tea leaves, they grind them into a fine powder, and then all you do is add hot water. So it's not like a, a synthetic or a chemical or low-grade tea or tea substitute. It's actual organic tea leaves. And the brand, which by the way, I'm not an affiliate for any of these, and I wish I was because I'm telling you about all the stuff that I use, but uh, it's Peak Teas. So P-I-Q-U-E, Peak Teas on Amazon. And uh, I use a jasmine green tea first thing in the morning. And then usually after lunch, I use a Sencha green tea. And that's because I like a little bit of caffeine. There's a lot of benefits for caffeine, but in moderation is ideal. And the benefit of using green tea versus coffee is that green tea also contains L-theanine. And then there's one other substance that I'm forgetting but that helps counterbalance the effects of the caffeine so that you don't have the crash. Green tea is also shown to be a cancer fighter or a cancer healer, if you will. So I start the day with that green tea, gives me that caffeine. Now, by the way, let me explain one thing. I do the sodium bicarbonate shot, which I recommend for like everybody, by the way. This is not just, this is if you wanna prevent cancer, keep yourself healthy, eat. In fact, everything I'm gonna share today is what I do to keep from ever getting cancer again. So I encourage you, you know, to, you can consider if some of these, you wanna try them out or they work for you if you wanna eat as healthy as, well, as I think is healthy, right? I'm not, I'm, I don't claim that I know everything, but I do claim that I have read a lot of books on all types of diets from eating keto, which is typically you know high fat, often a high meat diet, and the benefits of that to a vegan plant-based diet, to a raw vegan diet, right? And kind of, you know, to a paleo diet, like I've looked into all of them. And so everything I share is typically from me reading and researching a lot of different resources and trying to piece together what makes sense. So here's what I wanted to say. The sodium bicarbonate shot, which I encourage everybody to do, I drink that and then you don't want to immediately drink something different, right? Because it'll mix with the sodium bicarbonate lemon juice and you're, you know, you're kind of counteracting the effects potentially. So that green tea, I make that and then I go do something called the Beamer mat. And I'll explain what that is in a second. I do the Beamer mat for eight minutes. And during those eight minutes, right, that's allowing my body to get into that alkaline state. Now, I, in full confession, I'll always be transparent, I have not actually researched, and when, when I say research, I mean Googled, I haven't actually Googled how long before I should drink my next beverage. So as I'm saying this, I'm realizing I should actually do that. 
So I just made up in my mind, probably not good to drink the green tea right after I drink the sodium bicarbonate shot. So what I do is I drink the sodium bicarbonate shot and then I go lay on the beamer mat for eight minutes and that gives me eight minutes. Then I come back in and I start drinking the green tea, but I figure that's enough time for my body to process the lemon juice. But again, I got to Google that and see if I should be waiting longer. The beamer mat, if you want to Google that, it's B-E-M-E-R, the beamer mat is it is not inexpensive. I think it's like $5,000. I bought it when I had cancer. There's a ton of peer-reviewed research, medical studies, there's all sorts of studies, right, on this mat. And it uses an electrical microcurrent that helps to stimulate your cells. And again, I haven't read this in a while. I don't remember exactly how to explain it. I don't sell it. But uh, there are a lot of people that swear by it. And so I decided based on all the research that I read when I bought it, three years ago, that it was a good idea. So, and again, it's not just for people that have cancer, it's for anybody and everybody. In fact, with all the EMF exposure that we have, electromagnetic frequency exposure, I watched an interesting video the other day from Carla Gilmore, who is a uh, naturopath doctor that works with a lot of cancer patients. I, I visited her in Florida when I was diagnosed, and she explained how the Beamer Mat helps your body to reset after all of the EMF exposure that we take in all day from all of our electronics, devices, Wi-Fi, all of those things. And by the way, the beamer mat is eight minutes in the morning and then eight minutes at night before bed. So I use it twice. So it kind of like sets your body up right in the morning and then it kind of helps reset you in the evening. I also use the, the next thing I do is I put on a laser watch. I won't even explain this. In fact, I don't even know the name of it. Regenerator, I think. It's from Germany. My dad's friend who had cancer said he used this. It helps clean your blood as it flows through your wrist. It has like six or four different lasers that shoot into your wrist. And so I wear that every day. It's one of those things where I'm like, eh, I don't know if it's helping, but I don't think it's hurting and maybe it's helping. So if you've ever had a disease, you tend to, well, at least for me, I throw everything but the kitchen sink at it in terms of as healthy as I can options. I go, well, if this doesn't hurt, but it might help, I'll try it. And I stack that as much as I possibly could. The next thing that I do is I take uh, a variety of supplements, but actually they're very minimal now. I used to take, when I had cancer, I was taking like 60 supplements, all different kinds of, I don't even know, you name it, everything that was supposedly might fight cancer, I took it. Now I take a company called, it's Dr. Scholl's, not the foot guy, but if you go, his website is herbdoc.com. Everything he makes is plant-based. It is not, or food-based, it is not synthetic. So for example, vitamin C, I don't know if you're aware of this, but vitamin C, I believe most of it is made in China. I read that at some point, so don't quote me on that. Most of it's made in China, and it's, but you can, you can definitely verify this by looking at the bottle of any, of the back of any bottle, which is that it's made of ascorbic acid. And ascorbic acid is not natural that's made in the lab. So any vitamins that I take, I try to take nothing that is synthetic and man-made in the lab, but everything that is made in nature, right? So the vitamin C I take, for example, is made with acerola cherry and camu camu, like all these different fruits and vegetables and herbs that are high in vitamin C. And so the doctor, the herbdoc.com, Dr. Scholes, I take his superfood, which is I take the capsule form. To give you an example, you typically know that it's food-based because when it's synthetic, they can really concentrate it so they can post on the bottle that, you know, it's really high doses of this vitamin or that. When it's food-based, they usually have to use a lot. So instead of taking one vitamin in the morning, like a what's that popular brand, like Centrum, one a day, right? Instead of that, it's 15 
little food capsules that I take for the, each morning. Like, so it's, you take a lot because you're getting as much vitamins as you need, but it's not concentrated synthetic compounds. It's actually from nature. And most of his herbs, they're either organic or they are wild harvested. And it says on the bottle, which is which. And I use a lot of his products uh, or not as many anymore. I've used most of them, but again, I've really pared down. I'm cutting down on my supplements just because I've taken so many for so long. I just made a decision recently. I was talking to one of my health advisors and he said, how, why don't you stop taking supplements completely? Let your body just detox from everything. And so in order to do that, I'm just kind of going through everything in my cupboard right now. Once it's all gone, I'm going to just take a month of nothing and then I'll start buying stuff back. Another brand, by the way, on Amazon, you can get Pure Synergy. That's another organic food-based supplement. But most vitamins out there, the large majority, none of them are regulated, first of all. And most of these companies, right, they're just trying to make a buck and they're using synthetic ingredients that may or may not be harmful. It may not be cut with other things. So I really encourage if you're taking supplements or vitamins to make sure that you're doing your research and you're, you're trying to buy from companies like Mega Foods is a good one. They use whole food supplements. It's all derived from food, not from synthetic. So Mega Foods is a great brand. Pure Synergy is a great brand. And then Dr. Scholl's, which is herb. Actually, he's on Amazon too. I think actually not all of his products, herbdoc.com, but he has like tonics for when you're sick and all these other things. So highly recommend that. What do I do next? Oh, then I do my savers and my savers usually start at 5.30 because unless I get up at 4.30, some mornings I wake up a little early, jump out of bed, get that extra time. But if I wake up around 5, it takes about a half an hour to do this morning routine of the Beamer mat, making tea, taking my supplements, sodium bicarbonate shot, all these things. Then usually around 5, 5.20, 5.25, 5.30, I start my savers. And I do, there's three areas that I focus on in the morning. I do me personally. So 30 minutes of my savers are for me. 30 minutes of my savers are for my family and 30 minutes of my savers are for my mission, which you, you could also say is my, is for my business, right? They kind of go hand in hand, my business impacting people through my books and podcast and all those things that to me is for me, it's my mission. And it just happens to be what I do for a living as well. But I try to keep it mission first. And that for me feels very pure. And it feels like I'm doing it for the right reasons, not to make money. And when I was younger, it was, I want to make money and help people. And now it's like, I want to help people. And I, you know, as long as I'm focused on serving others, I feel like the money kind of will come. But at the same time, I do read books on how to do that because for me, I don't naturally, it doesn't come natural necessarily. Here we go. So I'm going to run through the savers for you guys and gals and give you kind of what my savers look like today. Well, they're about 90 minutes long, right? I just mentioned that. And first we'll go through the savers in order. I start with silence and I vary the types of meditation that I do typically between one of three. And it just kind of depends on my mood, my day. If I'm bored of a meditation, I'll try something new. And the three kinds that I typically do are number one, mindfulness meditation. And mindfulness meditation is essentially just being fully present in the moment, using all of my senses and allowing thoughts to come into my mind, just being at peace with them and allowing them to leave and just continuing to try to be, you're just really striving to be present. And again, using all my senses, so like this morning, or I guess it's true most mornings, right? I'm silent and I'll hear the buzzing of the air conditioning or the heater, or I'll hear the birds chirping outside or I'll hear just the, you know, my house, right? Houses make weird noises, right? I'll just, you know, or I'll just listen to the silence or I'll listen to my breath. I try to be fully present 
to that moment. In fact, if you didn't listen, I encourage you last week's podcast was how to access the power of presence. And I talked about this, that meditation is kind of training to teach you, to train you to how to be present so you can apply it not just in the morning when you meditate, right? But but all day long, like so you can live your life being fully present so that things are no longer a means to an end. I talked about on the podcast last week that when we're doing dishes, it's usually we're trying to get done with the dishes to do the next thing. In fact, that's how we live most of our lives in the future, getting done with this thing to do the next thing and then the next thing and then the next thing and the next thing. We're never fully present to our life because we're always focused on the next thing. Whereas the opposite of that being mindful is when you're doing the dishes, you're fully present. You, you don't wish you were doing the next thing. You're like, this is the best thing I could be doing because it's what I'm doing right now. Just a conscious decision to be fully present. And you're present to the, the temperature of the water on your hands and, and the smell of the soap and maybe the slipperiness of the soap as you, you wash the dishes and, and, and then the clinking of the dishes in the dishwasher or the strainer, right? You're just fully present when you're making coffee. You're fully present to the grinding of the beans and the sound and the smell and the texture and the taste and, and the port, right? Everything. And think about that. That's how you get the most out of life, in my opinion. Most of us, we go through life and we get to our day, like, and we never were fully present. We weren't fully living. We were always living in the future, thinking that salvation would come at some future date when we achieved some future goal or improved some circumstance that we don't quite like right now. But the reality is that when you get to the future, all it is is the present moment that you never trained yourself on how to fully interact with and engage with and embrace and experience fully. So that to me is what mindfulness meditation is about, is it's about experiencing that and training yourself so that you can experience it all the time. But I love my meditation. I love the mindfulness meditation because it's like, like one of my mantras, sometimes I'll have a mantra when I do the meditation, not intentionally, usually it's just kind of in my subconscious, but it's like, this moment is perfect. This moment is perfect. And then I'll just like, feel the truth of that. And again, allow all of my senses to take in the moment. I use my peripheral vision to see everything while I'm hearing everything, while I'm feeling everything, while, right? All of the senses at once and usually tasting or smelling, but I'm not eating anything or smelling much. So that's mindfulness meditation. I'll sometimes do loving kindness meditation in full transparency. I don't do this as often, Loving kindness meditation is also called meta, M-E-T-T-A meditation, which is it's basically the practice of directing kind, loving thoughts and emotions and energy toward yourself and or towards others. And the standard loving kindness meditation is taking a few deep breaths and then essentially you're just repeating the words. I'm trying to remember the exact wording. Maybe I could Google it real fast. I don't know where it is, but it's something along the side. Well, that's the thing. I'm going to tell you how I do it. I don't do it according to the words. There's an actual like phrasing you're supposed to use. I just think positive thoughts like I'll think of, imagine my wife and I'll just think, I love you. I love you. I'm so grateful for you. You're such an amazing wife. You're such an amazing mom. And the idea is that you're choosing the thoughts that will best serve you and the other people that you're directing it toward. So in life, we often, you know, our brain tends to find problems and that includes with other people. So we might be irritated with another person or think about the things they did that upset us or so on and so forth. And the loving kindness meditation for me 
there's theories that, of course, the, the energy goes out into the world and actually touches that person and impacts them. And whether that's true, I don't know. I don't have any data on that. But I do know that it affects how I feel about the people in my world, in my life, including people that I completely disagree with, right? Like I'll do the loving kindness meditation to put myself in a state of love and forgiveness toward those that may have wronged me or wronged my family or whatever. They're wronging the world. So the last loving kindness meditation. And then the other is a guided meditation. And I, again, I usually do the mindfulness meditation, but sometimes I'll do the loving kindness or guided, which I'll use an app like Calm or Headspace or Simple Habit is one of my, actually Simple Habit's one of my favorite, believe it or not. And I'll just listen to a guided meditation. The other one is Aura Ring. I have an Aura Ring. If you don't know what that is, you can Google it. O-U-R-A, Aura Ring, or it's probably like AuraRing.com. But they have on the Aura Ring, there's a little, I'm on the app right now on the phone. There's a little plus boat button. You hit the plus button and then there's take a moment and it will allow you to do a deep breathing exercise or a meditation, a guided meditation. And so a guided meditation, of course, is just someone guiding you through it. And if you're not proficient with meditation, I encourage you to try all of them. But uh, just know with the mindfulness meditation, it's not about clearing your thoughts. It's about being completely present and at peace with everything, including your thoughts. That's one of the biggest misconceptions is I used to get frustrated thinking, oh, I'm supposed to have a clear mind so I can meditate, but my mind's always racing. And so that's just be clear. Mindfulness meditation is about being at peace. In fact, having thoughts is actually great because it's you're learning to work with the thoughts as Juliana Ray, one of my mentors and founder of Unified Mindfulness teaches. In fact, she's in the Miracle Morning movie and actually she says that. All right. The A and C, so that's my silence, right? It's typically mindfulness meditation, sometimes the loving kindness meditation, sometimes the guided meditation. Number two, affirmations. I have affirmations for each important area of my life, my mission, my health, my marriage as a parent, right? I have affirmations for almost every single area of my life, if not all of them that are important to me. And there's different ways that I do affirmations. I'm gonna really quickly, I'm gonna review the way that I teach affirmations. And I don't know that I actually, I don't think I wrote this in the Miracle Morning book because I think I came up with this as I you know, learned and grew and evolved later on after I wrote the book. I'll be sure to include it in the next version though, which we are updating right now. By the way, a little bonus tip for you guys or bonus news, we are updating the Miracle Morning book in time for the Miracle Morning movie release so that the book is improved. I'm improving the writing right now. So, but affirmations, the way that I teach them now, in case you haven't heard this, or if you have, here's a refresher. The problem with affirmations, the way they've been taught for, I don't know how long, decades or centuries, is either we're taught to lie to ourselves, right? Like say, I am blank, and it's something you aspire to be, but that you may not yet be. And the problem with lying to yourself by saying something that is not yet true for you or that you don't believe is true for you is the truth will always prevail and you'll feel inauthentic. You'll go, I am thin. But if you're overweight and you say, I am thin, that's not yet true. So you're constantly fighting with yourself. Your subconscious is going to go, dude, no, you're, you're, you're lying. You're, that's not true. So the truth will always prevail. So lying to yourself is never the optimum strategy. The second problem with affirmations is we are taught to phrase affirmations in a way that promises some magical solution in our lives. The example I like to give is when it comes to money, there's this affirmation that says, I am a money magnet. Money flows to me effortlessly and in abundance. Now, why would someone like to recite that affirmation? Well, if you're struggling financially and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so stressed about money. 
But then you just go into this fantasy world with your affirmations that says, it's okay because I'm a money magnet and money is going to flow to me effortlessly and in abundance. Well, in that moment, it might give you a sense of relief, like, oh, I hope so. God, I would, that would be amazing. I really need that money to start flowing into my life. Now, I don't want to discount that. I'm not going to say that does or doesn't work, but in my experience, money doesn't quite work that way. Usually, you have to add value to the world in some way, either to your employer or to your customers or clients. You have to create value in some way that they are willing to compensate you for. That's typically how you attract or money flows to you, right? Is not effortlessly, but it takes some effort. Now you can get to a point where you do some initial effort and then it starts flowing effortlessly into your life. Like I've talked before as an author, right? Or if you're a real estate investor and you buy a property and then you get rental income month after month after month after month, and that property is managed by a property management company, you can pretty much sit back while money does flow into your life, but it wasn't effortlessly right? It took effort to get that set up. Same thing, writing a book. When you write a book, well, now people are buying the book every month, like Miracle Morning. I don't know the exact number, roughly 10,000 people a month. Maybe it's less than, no, no, it's actually more than that. Anyway, 10,000 a month buy the Miracle Morning. So, but I still put out effort. I've done 444 podcast interviews since the book came out and three years with cancer, I didn't do any. So I, there was effort. Anyway, I'm, I'm going too deep in the weeds. The point is, right, that I want affirmations that produce results for me. Like, I don't want to just feel good and I don't want to delude myself. I want to see improvements in the areas that I'm affirming. So I'm going to give you guys three steps to create affirmations, to craft them in a way that will do that for you. Number one, affirm what you're committed to. So don't say I am thin if you're not yet thin. Don't say I am wealthy if you're not yet wealthy. Don't say I am happy if you're miserable, right? Say I am committed to losing weight or being thin. I am committed to earning income and becoming wealthy. I am committed to being the happiest I could possibly be, right? I am committed to sends a very different message to your subconscious than I am already blank, right? I am committed to blank is different and more effective. You're literally programming your subconscious with exactly what any person needs to achieve meaningful results is you need a commitment. You need a commitment to your health, to your wealth, to your marriage, to your happiness, whatever the area may be. Number two, why is that commitment crucial for you? Or another way I've said it in the past, why is it deeply meaningful to you? But I've evolved it in my, now for me, it's why is this crucial? Because why, which tells you why is it so important, so meaningful that you're you're going to do whatever it takes because it is absolutely crucial. So number one, what are you committed to? Number two, why is it absolutely crucial for you to achieve that commitment or at least something in, in the range of that commitment? And then number three, what specific actions will you take and when? What specific actions will you take and when? So now you're, number one, you're reinforcing what you're committed to. Number two, you're creating an emotional attachment or, or I should say engagement because I don't, I'm not a big fan of emotional attachment. You should be emotionally detached from your results and emotionally engaged with those results, right? So you can be engaged, but if they don't come to pass, don't be attached, be at peace. So that's, that's another topic for another episode that we've probably covered in the past. But number one, you're reinforcing the commitment. Number two, you're creating emotional engagement for that commitment because you're reminding yourself why it is absolutely crucial. And number three, you're clarifying which actions need to be taken and when. And that three-part combination for an affirmation is programming your subconscious mind 
with what it needs in terms of the commitment and the emotional engagement to achieve the outcome. And then you're directing your conscious behavior by clarifying the actions and the time and the date and the frequency that you're gonna take those actions. So that is my favorite affirmation formula. And I wanna say this, I also create affirmations all the time that have nothing to do with that formula. That formula though is how I start the year with my goals is I go through all of my goals and I affirm that those three steps for each one. But then I will literally read a quote in a book and I'll be like, ooh, that's something I need to engage with daily. I need to be, that needs to become part of my way of thinking. And in doing so, I affirm it and I remember it and I remind myself day in and day out over and over and over again. So I have, a, so an affirmation in its simplest ter- form is a reminder. It's it's reminding you of something that's important. And the more you keep anything top of mind, the more likely you are to actually act on that thought, on that reminder. The other benefit of affirmations is that you're choosing the thoughts or the reminders that best serve you. So you're constantly upgrading and programming your subconscious mind to think, feel, and live in alignment with your affirmations. So there you go. The V is for visualization. You know that. How do I do my visualization? Couple things. Number one is I will visualize, I'll look over my goals and I'll visualize each outcome coming true. But I only do that for about 30 seconds, maybe 60 seconds, not very long. Why do I do that? The benefit of that, which by the way, is usually the only part of visualization that we're taught is to visualize the dream coming true, the goal being achieved, make a vision board, put it up on the wall, stare at it. We're usually taught to only visualize the end result. I believe it's the least important part of visualization, which we'll get to why that is in a second, but there are benefits. Now, what are the benefits? Visualizing the ideal outcome starts to create a belief that it's possible because you once you see it over and over and over, you start to imagine it, believe it, it feels real to you. That's a benefit. Another benefit is you do foster that emotional engagement when you see yourself crossing the finish line, cashing the check, walking across the aisle, is it whatever, getting married, you know, that's what I was trying to say. Whatever the, the outcome is, when you see it, you get excited about it, right? And then, then you're, you're fired up. Now you're, you're fueling the flames of motivation, of drive, and you want to do whatever is necessary to make that a reality. That's the benefit of visualizing your ideal outcome. However, it's only half the equation, so to speak. The second part, and I believe it's the most important, is visualize your ideal day. And what I mean is, visualize yourself engaged in the activity that will produce that outcome. Because it's only the activity that really matters, because without the activity, the outcome won't come to pass. But if you don't visualize the outcome and you only visualize the activity, well, that's gonna produce an outcome, right? So I'll give you an example. When I was training for a, an ultra marathon, I did not like running. I hated running. I, I don't use the word hate very often. I, I don't like that word, but I it just, I really despised running. Uh, and I still kind of do. I, in fact, I, I do. I just, I tried running again. I didn't like it. So I started bike riding, but this was as of a couple months ago. But the point being, when I was training for the ultra marathon, I would visualize crossing the finish line for about 30 seconds, maybe a minute, get myself excited. I'd imagine it. I'd smile. I'd be like, that's going to be amazing when that happens. But if that's all I did, it would have been counterproductive because I would have tricked myself into believing that I was going to cross the finish line, but missing a very important component, which was training. And so I then visualized myself looking at my phone when the alarm went off at 7 a.m., which was my running time. I visualized myself going into my bedroom, getting dressed, 
in my running clothes, heading out the front door with a smile on my face. I created the emotional experience of what it would be like to be excited to go on that run. And that's the point of visualization is you're rehearsing the ideal emotional experience for your ideal day. I'm going to say that again. You're rehearsing your ideal emotional experience in order to create your ideal day. And so what happened is when the alarm went off at 7 a.m., running an activity that I didn't like or despised, I actually got up automatically. I'd already rehearsed this. I already went there in my mind, body, and my emotions. So I got up, went to my lit room, got dressed, headed out the front door, smiled, felt excited, went on a run, and it happened like clockwork. That is, in my opinion, in my experience, the most effective way to use visualization. The E is for exercise. My exercise in the morning is a bike ride, and I usually go around 6.30 a.m., sometimes closer to 7, but I wake my kids up at 7, so I go, unless they want to go right away, I'll go on my own, but anyway, the point is, I go on a bike ride around my neighborhood, and as soon as I head out the front door, I smile, I look at the trees, I look at the sun peeking through the trees, and I get present. I go, this moment is perfect. All the craziness in the world, you know, in my life, in our lives, all the chaos, all the uncertainty, when you're present, the moment is almost always perfect. And when I'm in nature, I'm reminded, all, the other affirmation I'll say is, I'll go, this moment is perfect. And I'll look at, at the trees. My, na- my neighborhood's got a lot of trees and grass. It's not as, you know, I mean, I guess it's part of its man-made nature with the, the grass, but the trees are all, you know, been here for hundreds of years. And I'll look at the trees and I'll go, this is life. This is life. And let me get on a quick side soapbox tangent here. I was talking to my friend, John Rulin earlier today. I've had it on the podcast, author of Giftology. And I was talking to John and I said, you know, when I'm in nature, I remember humans, animals, and earth. That's pretty much all that's real. Like, like that's the essence of life. And everything else, this society that we've created, this man-made society where most of us very few of us value the things that really matter. Well, I don't, I don't want to say that we don't, don't value, we value humans, of course, but typically like our society, it's really, it's very materialistic. It's very much work hard so you can buy things and then buy better things and then buy bigger and better things, right? Like that's what it's about, you know, consume, consume, consume. And so for me and my family, we're really having a lot of conversations lately and my friends too. Uh, and we're actually thinking about buying some land and going, hey, you know, let's get back in touch with what actually matters, you know, and it's each other, it's living, it's, it's life, it's living living things, including earth. So there's my soapbox. When I go on my bike ride, I'm so present to the the air and the sunshine and the nature and the sounds of the birds. And so it's a really meditative experience that wouldn't happen quite the same if I was running, riding an exercise bike indoors or working out in my, you know, I've got a little workout room in my house, but being out in nature is such a beautiful experience. So I go for a bike ride. It's only 10 minutes, by the way. It's a 10-minute bike ride. It's, I've got it down to a, a science. I go up a hill and up a few steep cul-de-sacs and get a you know good leg workout and then ride down the hill and just cruise all the way home, come in the door. The next thing that I do is I wake my kids up for quality time. And uh, so usually 7 a.m., I wake the kids up. Now, this isn't every day because if I, like I kind of, I kind of test how light they're sleeping and uh, if they're really in a deep sleep, I don't interrupt it because I and I just believe that we should wake up as naturally as possible. So I'll usually walk in, kind of like put my face in front of theirs, just kind of like, you know, like just I don't know, whisper or something. I don't want to wake them up. But if they're lightly sleeping, they'll wake up really easily and then they jump right out of bed. It's amazing, by the way, 
when you do this, how you see the impact, the difference between when I've tried to wake them up against their will and they're like, oh, you know, they were sleeping deeply. Like the body's not made to wake up like that. And then the difference of when I walk in and my son just pops up, right? Like he, his body was ready to wake up. So just I'm bringing that back when what I talked about, not setting an alarm, uh, letting your body wake up when it's the right time. Oh, I just realized I didn't finish the rest of my savers. <laughs> Let me back up. Uh, and that's because I don't do exercise in that order. I do exercise last. So after visualization, I will do my, typically my journaling. It varies. Sometimes I do my journaling first thing in the morning if I woke up with some inspired thoughts or some negative stressful thoughts. I'll use free writing as my scribing where I will just start writing what's on my mind. And sometimes it's, wow, I woke up at you know 4.55 a.m. feeling really happy about this and about that and grateful for this and that. So I'll just, I'll just, I want to capture those, that, that feeling and deepen it and be able to revisit it later. Or sometimes I'll wake up and I'll be super stressed over something and I'll wake up and I'll like, I don't know if I talked about this on the podcast before, uh, but it was a week or so ago. I woke up thinking about the Miracle Morning movie and feeling really stressed about all the different moving pieces that we have to do to get this thing ready. It's like, it's finally, after five plus years of filming, we are a few months away from releasing it. And yeah, the date is still tentative. So I'm not, I think I've like, I've kind of announced a date, but that's not the date we're going with, I don't think. So I'm gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna wait until we have an exact date, which we're close to. But the point is I woke up with all this fear and stress and anxiety around the movie. And so I immediately opened my journal and I wrote down all of the things I was feeling and thinking and afraid of. And then I basically counteracted them. And I go, okay, I'm afraid that what if people don't like the movie? That was one of my fears, right? And I go, well, what's the truth? I go, the truth is people have already seen, you know, early versions of the movie and it's even better now. And when they saw early versions of the movie, when we screened it to get feedback, people loved it. You know, I go, and it's even better. So that's not true, right? So, I, so the point is free writing is I'll journal and I'll just write down, basically it's like a self-therapy session. You write down all, everything on your mind positive or negative, and then you work through it. You talk through it and you don't pressure. You just literally set a timer and, or don't set a timer. Just start writing and you don't try to think of what you're going to write ahead of time. You can if you have some thoughts, but I'll start writing sometimes going, I woke up feeling this way and I don't know what I'm going to write about, but oh yeah, yeah. What about that one thing? And I'm excited about this. Oh, and yesterday we spent time with our friend. It was great. I'll just write, right? It's just, it's like capturing my life at that moment. I'm going to hold on to that. There's something I was going to teach you guys, but it will take too long and I'm going to make it an entire podcast episode. All right. I won't, I won't leave you hanging. It is the concept of fact versus story. I think Michael Beckwith, I don't know if he originated this. I learned it in the book, The 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership. I guess I'll give you a very quick overview since I started talking about it. It's the point is that in life, there are facts and there are stories. Facts are what actually happen what someone says, what someone does. Stories are what we make up about the facts, right? So a fact in my, I wrote this when I did this worksheet in my hand, I have meetings in my schedule. The story I tell myself is I don't want to have meetings in my schedule, right? And when you separate facts from stories, you start to look at, well, it's the stories that cause all of my suffering, right? Like for example, someone in your life says something to you that you don't like and it upsets you. Well, when you actually understand that's not what upsets you. What upsets you is your thoughts about what they said. It's the story you created what they said. They said this, they shouldn't say this. Them saying this means blank, blank, blank. It's all the stories that we create and we keep replaying in our heads over and over and over and over again that create all of our suffering. 
The other book I'm reading, Loving What Is Right Now by Katie Byron, that book goes into this in, a, in, in another way. So the point is, I was that morning when I was writing what I was so afraid of and stressed about with the movie, I drew a line down the middle and I wrote facts on one side and stories on the other. Facts, what if my team and, and me can't get this ready in time? Remember that, or I'm sorry, that was the story. The fact was, we're on schedule. We can move the date, which I think we've had to do. If it's not right, so like, it's fine. And all of a sudden, when I com- looked at the fact in the story and I went, there's nothing to suffer for. There's nothing to stress about. So I just, I'm touching on that, but I do want to do a full episode on that concept because it has been revolutionary where you literally can free yourself from all of your suffering by learning how to separate facts and stories and learn how to investigate which thoughts are causing you pain and learn how to let go of those thoughts. So again, it's an entire episode worth. We will dive into that at some point. So that's my scribing practice. I also use the five-minute journal app in my phone, and I write down what I'm grateful for for the day. And then by the end of the day, I take a picture and I capture something from that day. So that's my scribing practice. And then I then read. And reading is typically, again, three areas of focus. Me, my family, and my mission. So I read a book that is specific to help me, something on spirituality or personal development. I read a book that is about my family, such as a parenting book. And in a a second, I'll tell you which books I'm reading now. I'm reading so three books for all three of these topics. And then one is about my mission. It's usually a book on how to, you know, reach more people or build a platform or, you know, something very business specific or on leadership, which right now, the three books I'm reading for me, I'm reading Loving What Is by Katie Byron or Byron Katie, sorry. For my family, I'm reading Hold On to Your Kids, and I can't think of the author's name right now, but it's called Hold On to Your Kids, one of the best parenting books I've ever read. And then for my mission, I'm reading The 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership, 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership. And I will sometimes, depending on if I have extra time, like the kids don't wake up, I'll read out of two of the books in a day. A lot of times I'll just alternate the book based on whatever I feel like I need to or want to learn on that day. So that concludes my miracle morning as it is now. And again, in summary, three focuses, me, family, and mission. It's usually about 90 minutes up to two and a half hours. So it's 5.30 a.m. to 7 a.m. when I wake the kids up. If my kids don't wake up, which it's summer right now, so they're staying up later than me sometimes. So they're probably only waking up two or three days a week and doing a morning routine with me. Otherwise, they're just, I'm letting them sleep in. So if they don't wake up at seven, I will then extend my miracle morning for another hour. So I'll end up doing a two and a half hour long miracle morning and incorporating those three areas. All right. And then we're going to go through the rest of this a little quicker. 7 a.m. waking the kids up unless they don't wake up. I just told you. And then 8 a.m. is usually family time. So from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., it's family and breakfast time for me. So family and breakfast time, I'll usually go in. My wife usually is awake by then. I go in and snuggle with her and ask her how she's doing and, you know, just do a little little quality time with my wife. The kids are usually up by then. I'll go play with the kids, hang out with the kids. And then around 8.30, I make my smoothie. And I make my smoothie at 8.30 because it takes me like 20 minutes because there are so many different things in it. I'm going to give you a little bit of those right now. I'm actually going to break down my basic smoothie recipe for you. Now, this is very different from the smoothie that I put in the Miracle Morning bonuses for the book because that was eight years ago. I need to update it with this one. But this is using most of the foods and herbs and you know things that are shown to heal your body of cancer or to you know prevent cancer. So these are energizing 
life-giving cancer healing smoothie. That's what I would call this. It's the energizing life-giving cancer healing smoothie. It starts out with one and a half cups of lemon juice. So uh, we have a lemon juicer and once a week we juice I juice 30 lemons a week, 30 lemons, big organic lemons. We juice them at the beginning of the week and then pour them into a bottle, like a little bit into each bottle. Like, I don't know how much exactly it's like, I think it's two lemons per bottle. And then, oh yeah, because we have 15 bottles, duh, 30 lemons, 15 bottles. So I fill it up evenly across all the bottles, they're glass bottles. And then I fill the rest up with water and then I put them in the fridge. So only have to do this once a week. And then every morning I unscrew it dump the lemon juice in. Now, for many of you, you're probably thinking, ew, lemon juice in a smoothie? That's what I thought too. But remember, lemon juice is one of the most alkalizing substances to put in your body. And it actually, this smoothie tastes amazing. And I've had friends try it. And I've said, look, tell me your honest opinion. You will not hurt my feelings if you say it's gross. I'm just literally curious if other people think this tastes as good as I do because I'm like addicted to it. And I've had, you know, I've had probably three friends try it and all of them are like, no, this is really good. They can't believe it. All right. So here's the ingredients. I'll run through these quickly. And if you want to come back, you can listen to these. Uh, if you want to write this down, actually we put it in the show notes. Let's put the smoothie recipe in the show notes. It's a great idea. All right. So 1.5 cups of lemon juice, one tablespoon of organic MCT oil, which if you don't know what that is, it was made popular by Dave Asprey with Bulletproof Coffee, but uh, it's a great source of fat for your brain to start in the morning. So it's made from organic coconuts. So it's MCT oil, which stands for medium chain triglyceride oil. Then I put in about three tablespoons of organic flax seeds. I put in a handful of organic walnuts, I put in one organic, well, everything's organic. So just, I don't want to say organic. One orange. I put in three cloves of garlic. Now this might be the one where you go, what? Garlic in a smoothie? So garlic is one of the, again, of all the foods that heal cancer, that's one of the best. It has a lot of health benefits. I would encourage you to start with one clove of garlic. Like I built up to three, but I started with one. One clove of garlic. And again, you're just try this. You'll be surprised at how good this tastes. And if you, it tastes too garlicky, of course, you could, next time you make it, don't put any garlic in. And of course, you can modify this whole recipe to suit your, ah, like the next ingredient is ginger. Ginger is, again, one of the most healthy, cancer healing, but just in general, one of the healthiest foods you can put in your body. And so I use, I don't even know how to measure it. It's a, I use a lot of organic ginger, more ginger than garlic. It's probably three, four, five times as much ginger as garlic. And if you don't like ginger, just leave out the ginger. If you don't like garlic, leave out the garlic, right? But uh, so that's it. Three cloves of garlic, three big, you know, I'd say three big inch and a half long, big chunks of ginger. So I put in three big chunks of ginger. I put in a handful of spinach. I put in a handful of blueberries and that's the basis of the smoothie. Sometimes I'll put in organic vanilla, unsweetened coconut milk. So delicious, has a great tasting uh, organic unsweetened vanilla coconut milk. The brand is so delicious, but it is, it's literally so delicious. That's properly named. So, and then I put in a lot of powders. This is why my smoothie recipe takes so long. It's mostly the powders and I'm not looking at them right now. So I'll read off as many as I can remember, but these are basically, instead of taking these as supplements and having to digest all these capsules, I get these organic powders of different vegetables, fruits, and herbs that have health properties. And I just throw them in the smoothie. So I put in first and foremost, vanilla plant protein. It's a plant-based vanilla organic 
plant protein, right? So I put that in first and foremost, that has a big impact on the taste. And then I put in, yes, organic, but it's ginseng powder for energy. Remember, this is the energizing, life-giving, cancer-healing smoothie. I'll put in a couple tablespoons of organic green tea. Uh, I put in the ginseng as well for energy. I put in dandelion root. And I'm not going to explain why I put all these in. Google it if you want to know any particular ingredient, but they're all very healthy for you. I do put in collagen protein. I think that's the only non-plant-based ingredient. I do that because um, I've got a shoulder injury and uh, it's to help heal the cartilage in my shoulder. So collagen, and you can get vegan collagen now. Uh, I'm going to probably get that next. I just discovered that was an option. And then I put in acerola cherry powder, A-C-E-R-O-L-A. I recommend that for everybody. That is a natural source of vitamin C. What I was talking about earlier that most supplements are synthetic man-made supplements that are sold in the US. Very, It's a very small percentage of companies that use food, organic food-based whole food ingredients. But acerola cherry powder, it's 500% of your daily vitamin C allowance in one teaspoon of that powder. So that goes in every smoothie. I put in maca powder. I put in, oh, what's it called? Oh, I put in chia seeds. I put in, so just a bunch of different healthy powders I put in, right? So I'm not going to list them all. Uh, we'll, we'll, I'll figure it out. I'll put them in the show notes. Maybe get all the different powders in there. But that's my morning smoothie. And it fills up two 16-ounce big cups. Like it's 32 ounces of smoothie. And I drink one after the other. Oh, I didn't tell you. or I, didn't, I, I almost left out the most important or my favorite ingredient. The last thing I do after my smoothie is all made and I blend it all up. Oh, I also use these little uh, packets of blue-green algae. There, you can get them frozen. The company, oh, what's it called? Be Alive. I'll put all this in the show notes. I'll, I'll give the whole list of this to my podcast producer and we'll get all this in the show notes. So the smoothie recipe will be in there with every powder that I use. But what I was going to say is the ninja trick is frozen avocado chunks. So you can actually, I, I get it at Costco. I don't know if I would have the discipline to do this if I didn't get it at Costco, but they actually make organic frozen avocado chunks that are already separated in little, you know, three quarter inch chunks. But at the once the smoothie is blended, and I, I use ice, by the way, I use half a cup of ice. So eight ounces of, you know, half of a 16 ounce cup of ice pour that in at the end. Once I blend it out, so first I blend everything, then I dump the ice and I blend that for 10 seconds. Then I get the organic avocado, frozen avocado chunks. I pour those on top. I pour in basically a handful and then I only blend it for 10 seconds so they don't fully blend. And what it does is it gives the smoothie a creamy consistency, but I've learned the amount of time to blend it enough to where it keeps the avocado chunks as chunks. And this may be gross to you. For me, it is my favorite, like I, I like drinking the smoothie and then I'll have this nice chewy semi-frozen avocado chunks throughout the whole thing. So that's a little bonus tip for you. And then uh, how I structure my work day, this is, it's pretty simple. So I'm, I, I don't need to go, I think you've gotten most of the detail between the savers and the smoothie. As far as the work day goes, here's how I, I structure my work day. From, I don't start till 9 a.m., right? You know, I'm with family from eight to nine and making a smoothie. And then from nine to 12, I work and I typically focus on my mission first and foremost. So like what's the single most important goal or outcome that I'm committed to right now in my life? I work on that first. So usually that's from nine to depending on the day and what I need to get done, it's nine to 10 or it's nine to 1030, nine to 11. Sometimes it's even nine to 12. So recently I was going through the Miracle Morning movie and doing like we're basically doing the last 
final editing, which we already did the final editing, but then I discovered stuff when I watched it again after I got off chemo, my brain was working better and I'm like, oh man, I feel like we need to make some more changes. So this last week, every day for like, you know, from nine to noon, I would spend up to three hours just watching the movie, pausing it, rewinding it, pausing it, watching it, watching other versions of it, trying to piece it all together to make the best possible, as close to perfect film as we possibly can. But that's an example of how my mission that the last week or so was the movie. And so I would, that was the first part of these every day was focusing as much time as I needed on my mission. Then I ate lunch from 12 to one. And then from one until, it depends, some days it's one to five, I'll work until five. Uh, A lot of days I try to get off early and hang out with my kids, you know, at usually two or three, just depends on the day or depends on the activities that we have planned. But then I'll do my work and I usually break my work up into hour chunks, right? Or 90, one hour to 90 minute chunks of, okay, I'm going to work on this project for these 90 minutes, whether it's answering emails or prepping for a speech I have coming up or whatever it is, writing, that sort of thing. So that's my schedule Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I don't schedule any appointments on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, because I've learned that for me, I'm happiest when I have nothing in my schedule. In fact, I just read that to you off that fact versus story sheet, right? The fact was I have meetings in my schedule. The story was I don't want to have meetings in my schedule. Well, the truth is I don't particularly, it's not my favorite. I've listened to my intuition. Having meetings is not my favorite. I like being able to wake up and have a full day open to do whatever I want. And when I say what I want, I mean, I'm still working, but I'm, I'm, I'm whatever project I feel like not, oh, at this time I have to talk to this person or do this interview or whatever. I prefer to not have that structure in my schedule. I like the freedom. As you can see from what I've shared today, I have a ton of structure in my schedule, right? I structure it, but I also structure in freedom. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, the majority of my workdays, 60% of my five workdays have nothing scheduled in them that isn't totally flexible and only changeable unless I want to change it. Then Tuesday and Thursday are the only days when I schedule meetings, calls, podcasts, interviews, that sort of thing. My schedule is roughly the same until 1 p.m. on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then I have usually a 1.15 and a 2.15 opening in my schedule where people can schedule things. And then on Thursday, same thing. So 1.15, 2.15 p.m. So there's four appointments a week typically where I will schedule a meeting. One of those I have with my team on Thursday morning at 11. So that's the schedule. And then the weekends, I have the same morning routine, but I hang out with the family. So, oh, I want to keep this an hour. We're at one hour and one minute. So that's everything that I can think of in terms of the daily, the weekly schedule, uh, and the various components of the rituals and routines that I practice. Again, I told you it's pretty OCD, same things day in and day out. I eat the same things. For lunch, by the way, I typically make a big salad. For dinner, I typically eat whatever my wife makes and she's a great cook. She makes a lot of some food. Very blessed in that department. And that's it. So uh, I would love, by the way, to hear your routine or your ritual. I want to learn from you. I'm always trying to learn you know, as much as I can. So if you're up for it, Uh, If you have any questions, by the way, you can post these, of course, underneath the episode on the website at halelrod.com forward slash podcast, or this episode will be 333. So this episode, you can go to halelrod.com forward slash 333. 
And uh, I'd love, if you have any questions, let me know. Uh, or I'd love to hear if you have any cool things you're doing in your miracle morning or to structure your schedule in any way, please let me know. I would love to hear about it. So I hope that was valuable for you. I felt uh, I always hesitate to do episodes that that center around me because I don't know, it's a feeling of narcissism or something. I don't know if that, I hope it didn't come across that way. But uh, since I get this as a question, I thought, all right, now's as good a time as any to share with you guys and gals uh, some things that I'm doing, and I hope that some of those, not all of them, I'm sure, but some of those may resonate with you and that you can try them on for yourself. That's another thing to let me know is if you, uh, you don't need to share your schedule, but if there's any of these that resonated with you, I'd love to know what you're going to try incorporating in your daily rituals. And then of course, again, if you want this smoothie recipe, we'll put those in the show notes at uh, halelrod.com forward slash three, three, three. Huh, I'm out of breath. All right, goal achievers. I'm about to jump in the car with my wife and kids, drive to Houston to get tested for cancer, which I do quarterly. And uh, this will be the last quarterly test. And then I get to move to every six months, which is exciting. And then I don't know how long you do that, but eventually it goes to once a year. So things are moving in a positive direction. And I, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for your love and support. It's meant so, so much over the years. I love you. I appreciate you. And I will talk to y'all next week. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast.